This is episode 615 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, Prepper Lesson, Bug Out Before It's Too Late. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. So if you'd like some more information, you can go over to PrepperWebsite.net or you can click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, just a few more words on that. I'm very excited about the the Prepper Website email group. I'm really loving the the interaction on there. I know there's a lot of people on there that are just, they're kind of lurking, just like you do on social media, I guess. You know, you're just kind of watching what everybody else is saying. But there's other people, a lot of people that are interacting and sharing ideas and, and I just love that. And I love the fact... I don't want to drive it. I don't want to be the driver of it. And so when other people are sharing and sharing their experiences, it uh, makes such a big difference. And so I'm really excited about where that's going and it's kind of just kicking off. And I'm really excited about where it can go and and what it can do for the prepper community. You know, you don't have... Uh, to worry about you know Facebook and Instagram. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen a little video that I put out uh, that I made just on my phone, and uh, I shared out a picture that I actually just put text on because Instagram is blocking Prepper website. So if you go to my profile on Instagram, you can't click on the Prepper website link. It won't go there. It'll say that link cannot be found, which is not true because I know Prepper website is up, right? And so it's right there. And I did a little video, did some text, and I've been sharing out. The thing was, is gearing up to Christmas and we're just a couple of days out from Christmas. If you're listening to this after Christmas, um, you know, just, you know, that, uh, you know, Christmas has already passed, but I did an article, you know, 12 days of preparedness, and I wanted to kind of make it to where, yeah, it was leading up to Christmas, but at the same time, you know, I guess a take on the 12 days of Christmas, whatever, but I wanted to, to not necessarily pigeonhole it to Christmas. But anyway, so I made these graphics, and I did all this work, and so I was going to release one a day up into Christmas, and then, you know, tell everybody, hey, if you want more information, link back to this article, And of course, I can't do that with Instagram. And, you know, I'm going to use social media. I am very careful about what I am doing on there. And you should be too. I want to talk about this here in the future. And I just got to gather my thoughts and I need some time to to uh, to go ahead and and make it to where I'm just not rambling, I guess, kind of like what I'm doing right now. But be careful on social media. Be careful about what you share. Be careful about what you're doing out there. All that stuff is creating a profile on you. And so that's why I believe that the email group is a really smart move. Now, I'm I'm still using social media. Some people are like, Todd, you're a hypocrite because you know I'm still sharing out things on social media. I mean, Prepper Website automatically posts to the Facebook page, uh, all, you know, Prepper Website Facebook page. And that's an automatic thing because there are so many people on social media. But when it gets to the point where they're, they're really targeting you and they're shadow banning you and you can't get information out there. 
you know, that that's one of those scary things. And a lot of people will say they're public companies or they're, you know, they're, uh, they're private companies, whatever, you know, they got to make a business, they can do whatever they want. But at the same time, they have so much power because so many people are on their platforms. So anyway, I'm just cautioning you out there as you, you know, as you're going through the holidays, as you're moving to, you know, into 2020, think about how much stuff you're sharing on social media or what you're liking, what you're sharing. You know, it's one thing to share pictures of and memes of cats and baby Yoda and all that kind of stuff. It's another thing to start sharing out things that can pigeonhole you into, hey, this is what this person is about. And I got an idea here. And so that's painful for people who have podcasts and websites and 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 things like that, because we want to promote our stuff. You know, I want to promote the things that the other articles that, pe- that people share and that I post on Prepper website. And I'm still able to do that to a point, but I'm just afraid that there is uh, a time where that's not going to be readily available. And so that's why I love the email group. That's why I, I ask you always to be part of the email list. It costs money. It, for me, you know, it's something that I'm willing to go ahead and pay. I try to cut costs as much as possible, but I think it's something that's important. And so the, the preparedness movement, the information that is out there, I think is very important for the day that we live in right now. Another thing that's really important for the things that we live for the life in the, the the place that we're at right now is this article. Now, this article came from a listener of the podcast, DB. And so he was listening to the the episode with Fernando Aguirre of the Modern Survivalist. And he started, he started, he, he told me he was writing a comment, and then it turned out to be this long comment, and he put it in a Microsoft Word document and he wound up sending it to me. And when I was reading it, I was like, man, this is really good. Can I share this out in an article? So I shared it on Prepper. I'm not I'm, I shared it on Ed That Matters. So that's my like a personal preparedness website that I that I have. And sometimes when people share out articles with me, I post them over there and then I link to them on Prepper website. So at the time that I'm recording this episode, I have the article up on Ed That Matters, but I haven't shared it out on Prepper website yet. And so that is coming, but I thought it was such a great article, very timely, uh, just timely because I think we need to think about these kinds of things and being that it's the holiday and the season and maybe we have a little bit of downtime we're able to put a little bit of thought into this maybe you're driving to grandma's house or wherever you're driving to families or or whatever you know and you have a little bit of time downtime to be able to to process this and to think about it because uh, having a place to go if your place is not available if your place is uh, you know, shut down, locked down, you know, unavailable because of a disaster, because of uh, whatever it might be, then you have to have a place that you can go to. And a bug out plan is very important. And so I love when people in the preparedness community share out their lessons, their experiences, because it helps us to learn and to grow. And we can see ourselves in their experiences as well. So let's go ahead and jump into this article. Again, it's coming to us from edthatmatters.com, and the article is entitled Prepper Lesson, Bug Out Before It's Too Late. So knowing when to bug out has been the topic of many preparedness articles in the prepper community. Many preppers have an idea of what should happen, but there is a real lack of experience. However, when a fellow prepper shares a real-life experience, it is a great time for other preppers to learn from them and try to apply their lessons. This article is written by D.B., and discusses his real bug out experience. 
Hello, Todd. I've just recently gotten to the whole podcast scene and came across your podcast. I was listening to a recent episode with Fernando Aguirre. It kind of hit me that I may have a bit of a unique situation that not only happened to me and my family, but practically the whole town I live in. I'm from down the road from you in the Beaumont area. You undoubtedly heard about a chemical plant explosion in the sleepy town of Port Natchez in the early morning hours of November 27th. That plant is less than half a mile from my home. While the memories are relatively still fresh, I wanted to put into perspective a different kind of prepared being ill-prepared. Now, a little bit of background. In the late 20, in late 2014, I kind of came to the realization that simple hurricane preparedness, a few days of food and water, were not going to cut it. I started talking to my wife and sister about prepping and the reasons why. My wife and sister agreed and started down their own research. I have other siblings that agree with some of my thoughts, but quote-unquote prepping isn't cool or it's too kooky to actually do. Suffice it to say, my sister and my family spent a good amount of money and time in 2015 and 2016 building a little prepper stash at our respective homes. We had bug-out, bug-in plans and strategies on where we should go if we had to, the advantages and disadvantages of bugging in at our respective homes. By no means were we expert preppers. We barely stuck to the prepper lifestyle, rotating food, practicing bug-out scenarios, learning useful skills, etc. I called myself a part-time prepper. I got the tools but barely knew how to use them and thought that was enough. Now on to the explosion. The initial explosion had all of us in the house thinking it was lightning. However, there were two differences. There was no audible sound of thunder rolling away and the accompanying light with the boom was orange and not white. This left me confused in my sleepy state. I continued to listen for several seconds trying to determine if what I had heard was real or my imagination. I heard numerous car alarms going off along with a large number of dogs barking. This was not normal in my neighborhood. I then noticed that the door to my AC unit was wide open. I really knew there was something wrong then, but I continued to lay in bed, listening for possible intruders, along with still being confused as heck. When I was confident that no intruders were in my house, I got up and got dressed and began to investigate. I noticed that there were pieces of insulation laying on the floor, along with a cross that had been hanging on the wall. It was now laying on the ground. Now at this point, all I could still hear was car alarms and dogs, no sirens from first responders. One thing I noted while looking around my house was that I was physically shaking. I'm not entirely sure what caused that, probably an adrenaline dump. A few minutes after the initial explosion, I finally went outside. The sky was lit up orange. Having grown up in this area my whole life, I knew that one of the plants had exploded. I could hear the flames roaring from my house. Now, for some of the stupid stuff, like many people in my town, after being woken up by the blast, I wanted to be a looky-loo. I took off in my car to get a better view and maybe video or pics. Well, so did practically everyone else in town. The roads were clogged with people along with a major thoroughfare being blocked to traffic for obvious reasons. I ended up a few streets over from my house in the neighborhood closest to the blast. This was a really dumb move. People that lived on the street had a hard time leaving the immediate area due to us looky-loos. I was part of the problem and very stupidly so. After talking to family members, making sure they were okay, I headed home. 
All right. So uh, I love that looky lose uh, just with that word. I guess I might use that uh, more often here. You're just being a looky loo, uh, especially when you uh, are in Houston traffic. For those of you that uh, can appreciate uh, crazy traffic. Oh my gosh. It just drives you nuts when people stop to look at a little fender bender and that causes all this backup. All right. Uh, let me go ahead. I digress. Let me, let me keep moving here. About 12 hours after the initial blast, there was a second explosion. Well, there was actually more, but officially there was only two major explosions. I was in my home watching updates when we heard a significant boom. I told my family that secondary explosions are to be expected. Shortly after there was another larger boom than the one before, enough that it rattled our house. I then did the complete opposite of what one should do. I went outside while my family went to the windows. There was black smoke where there had been light gray before. I told my family to start packing. This is where panic set in on my family members. We were running around, scrambling, trying to get clothes from both dressers and the laundry room while trying to think of things to get other than clothes like hygiene items, pet care items. I had to tell my wife to slow down, take your time, and just make sure we are ready to go if we need to. I had to comfort my son since he was kind of freaking out and scared by the explosion, plus the live feed of the explosion that just had occurred. The second explosion jettisoned a piece of a tower 200 to 300 feet in the air. Officially, it was hinted that the tower landed in an empty field and away from storage tanks. However, my brother is a firefighter and helped work the fire as part of the area hazmat team. He showed me on Google Maps where the tower actually landed. If it had landed mere feet in either direction, it would not have been good. It just happened to land in the space between two storage tanks that could contain any of a number of flammable explosive, explosive chemicals. Now, not long after the second explosion, the county judge ordered a mandatory evacuation. This evac included the Tri-City area along with parts of a fourth city to the south of us and parts of an unincorporated area just north of our town. I have to kind of explain a bit about my family's emergency plan. When my sister and I began our prepping duties, our mother was still alive. Fragile, but still alive. So obviously she could not bug out should SHTF. So our plans not only revolved around our mother and bugging in as the main option, but also my in-laws who are also not as mobile as we are. However, this evac included all of our homes. My home, my sister's home, and my in-laws home. All three of our homes were considered part of our bug out or bug in plan. We had no actual bug out location outside of our area. We could try to get a hotel, but so were about 50,000 other residents. After some time, the final solution was that we would evacuate to my brother's girlfriend's family. They live about an hour north of us. From the time the evac was ordered and several frantic calls from my sister, my brother and my in-laws the time it took to figure out where we were going to go, if we should take animals, etc., it took more than four hours to actually get on the road. The evac was ordered around 2.30 p.m., but we had actually started packing and gathering things before this. We were not on the road till well after 6.30 p.m. Ultimately, we were out of our homes for four days. All right, so in this article, DB shares some of his takeaways from the event. And so I'm going to go ahead and read his takeaways, kind of like what I normally do, try to give some commentary at the end of an article. I'm going to read his takeaways and uh, elaborate on them a little bit more. And then 
really go for uh, and just try to add some other things as well. So some of the takeaways from this event, again, these are coming from uh, DB, the author of this. And uh, like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little bit of commentary here. The first one was this. There are no part-time preppers. You're either prepared or you're not. I was not prepared. All right, so I'm going to disagree with DB here just a little bit. So even though you you don't feel 100% prepared, and I don't know if anybody truly will ever be 100% prepared. I mean, I just think that's that's a goal. I mean, you always want to try to reach that goal, but I don't think you're ever going to get there. There's always going to be something. And maybe like if you're ultra rich and you have all the money in the world and you can buy everything, even at that, you're still not going to be prepared because I think by just putting a lot of money into gear and stuff, then mentally you're not going to be prepared because you think you are mentally prepared because you have all that stuff, but you're not. All right, so that's just going chasing all kinds of rabbits there. But again, let me go back to this and I'm going to disagree with them. I think that when you start down the road in preparedness and you start to think about bugging out, bugging in, bug out bags, you know, things that you need to be able to uh, be prepared, food and water, and you start down this road, you are more prepared than the next person or that the person that is not preparing. There are more people that are prepared than you, but you are more prepared than other people. Now, living in the area that he lives in. So I'm, yeah, I understand the Beaumont area. I used to work down in the ship channel area. So I know, you know, what it's like, you know, when plants, uh, you know, when there's evacuation orders and all those different kinds of things, you know, it's on our local news because it's not very far away. So I'm, I'm very familiar with things like that and, and having to evacuate. And, and so I'm familiar with that. So people down there in like school districts and, and people are familiar with that. So when they hear the sirens, when they get the, the notice to shelter in place, turn off your AC, all those different kinds of things, everyone there has an understanding of what needs to happen. It's the same kind of idea of living on the Gulf Coast. I have an idea. Most people have an idea of what it is to be prepared for a hurricane, right? At least they know things that they need. They know they need to go to the grocery store. Um, that's evident because things are always wiped out. They, they know they need water. They know they need flashlights. They know, you know, they have all those kinds of things. It would be the same idea for those of you that live up north that, you know, when you get a blizzard or, you know, the, the weatherman tells you that there's going to be a blizzard, you know what goes into that. If I went up north and let's say I've moved up north and it was my very first blizzard, I would not be prepared. I would know anything to do up there, right? I mean, I would have some ideas. I would do my research and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I would not know what a blizzard could possibly mean compared to those of you that are familiar with it, vice versa. So in this general location where DB is talking about, most people have an understanding. He said he lived in that area all his life. They have an understanding of what plants going up, you know, exploding, evacuation orders. They know all of that. But I would venture to say that he was probably even more prepared because he started to think about bugging out. He had that in his mind. Now, although he didn't have the, the plans that he had in place were older plans and they weren't going to work in this situation because their bug out plans were to go to a family member's house. It's still he still was ahead of the game, I guess, ahead of most people when you're thinking about what it would entail. All right. So, yeah, you're right. You're never going to be 
you're never going to be fully prepared. But I can understand what he's saying. I was not prepared. And being being a person who uh, wants to have the answers, wants to be ready, wants to, I guess, you know, the man of the house, you know, and, and you want to make your family feel comfortable. And like he was talking about, he was comforting his son. I can understand where the weight of not being prepared and not having everything in place could weigh heavy on you. But this is why we talk about this. This is why he shared out his article. This is why I am reading this on the podcast is because sometimes we need a little bit of a trigger to say, you know what, get off your butt and start thinking about some of these things so that when the time comes, if it comes, if you're in a situation like that, and again, let's not talk about the big EMP, the big you know nuclear blast, the 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 terrorist, the grid going down. Let's just talk about why someone would need to bug out. He needed to bug out because he lives in an area where there's industrial plants and they there was an evacuation order and he needed to leave. Same thing for hurricane preparedness, same thing for blizzard, being prepared for blizzards and some winter and, and all the different you know tornadoes and all the different natural events out there. There are things that we need to have in place and we need to go ahead and be prepared. So yeah, could he have been a little bit better prepared? Yes. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't venture to say that he was not prepared at all. I think that the plans had holes in them. And so I think this is a great reminder for us to revisit our plans, to look at our plans and to examine them every so often because things change. Just like he said, he had a parent that had passed away and the idea, you know, they had to consider, you know, parents that would be bugging out. Um, One thing that I would say, you know, he was considering whether to take the animals or not. I think that if you have animals, you always have to take your animals. So I think that is responsible. I understand in the in the middle of this situation, that's another plan for you, for for other people to be thinking about. If you have dogs, if you have cats, if you have birds, if you have horses, you know that was one of the things that people got really upset uh, during Hurricane Harvey is that people had horses and they just abandoned them and they had plenty of warning. They had plenty of time. But I remember this one video where people were driving up into this, uh, they were going into this, the, the property and there was animals that had drowned. And so they're just lying on the ground and there's others that, you know, I guess they were taller and they were able to make it to a little bit higher ground. They were able to survive. And, uh, you know, that's a scary thing. And I understand sometimes things happen and floods, you know, come in very quickly and things like that, but there should be a plan if you can to evacuate your animals. Uh, again, during Hurricane Harvey, uh, when there was people that were evacuating evacuating animals for other people that had left them before. And so, uh, you know, that's that was on the news. That was there was a lot of video of that. You know, people were showing up with horse trailer trailers and uh, evacuating horses from people's property that had just, you know, they got in their vehicles and left. And again, that was because they were not prepared. That was a panic. That was not having any plans in place. And so that's what a plan does for you. A plan helps you to not panic. A plan helps you to, hey, I know what needs to happen. I can go ahead and move forward. And so I know what I need to do. Because when you are in the midst of that panic, it's very hard to, okay, let me let me think this through. You don't want to be thinking things through. You want to be able to be checking things off. Okay, check, 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 check. I have everything I need. Let's get going. Let's get moving. And that's 
why having a plan is so very, very powerful. All right. So the next lesson learned is this practice, practice, practice. So I know DB doesn't go into a lot of explanation about this, but I'm assuming that he's talking about practicing bugging out and leaving the home to where you're not running around trying to figure out what you need and all those different kinds of things. And so I do think that is important. I do think that there is some talk. I think some people will take this practice to the extreme where they will actually practice a complete bug out. And if you feel you need to do that and you need, you need to do that with your family, maybe you want to see how fast you can get into the car, how fast you can get everything that is needed. Uh, that might be something that, that you can do if you don't think you're going to freak out your family. The other thing is, is you can practice mentally. If you can be on board, you know, again, your your spouse might not be on board. So you might not be able to do that full-time practice of, hey, let's all grab our bug out bags and get into the vehicle and we can see how long it takes us to exit the home. So there's going to be a lot of people that can't do that because their family members won't do that unless they really, really need to do that. And I know it's like, hey, you know, bad on them and all that good stuff. But there's going to be some of you that want to do that that can't. And it's just, it's, I understand that. I completely understand. A lot of us in the preparedness community, some of us are the only people in our families that are prepping until the time comes that you know, the preparedness needs to be put into motion. And then like, hey, wow, you know, dad, or, you know, I didn't realize that you knew all this stuff or mom, I didn't realize you had all this stuff put back and you had this plan and, and all that different kind of stuff. But if you can go through a mental, the men, mental exercises are very powerful as well. And that's why a lot of the times your mind, and just think about when you, when you dream and you have a very vivid dream, and you know you might wake up sweating and your heart is racing because your mind doesn't sometimes doesn't process that it is a dream. And so if you can mentally go through some of these scenarios, I always go back to what you see during the Winter Olympics. A lot of the times you will see they'll show uh, you know whatever athletes they'll have some headphones in. And then you see them going through the turns in their mind. And you'll even see them lean, right? So if they're, they're the downhill racers or whatever, I don't know what you call them. But anyway, the downhill skiers. And so like, hey, we're getting into turn three. And they know that they need to they lean in a little bit more than in turn two or turn four or whatever. And so they're going through that mental picture, that mental movie in their mind. And so if you can do that a little bit, you might be able to, I don't know, maybe you could foresee some things that need to change and that might be helpful. So again, you might not have family members that would say, yeah, let's go ahead and, and let's bug out. I don't know. You might have some that will indulge, indulge you and say, yeah, let's practice a bug out and let's do all this and let's see if we can do this. But you might not have family members that will do it. So if you can go through the mental process, that might be the best that you can get. But what would it take? What would you need? I think having some things in place already of, hey, I know that I would grab this, this, and this, and where would it be? I think like if you're bugging out, maybe you might not have a bug out bag. Maybe you have a bug out tote. And so you have a lot of things already that you can put inside of a tote. Maybe you have all those things prepared already. Again, we just recently did the episode on the emergency binder. 
That's going to be one of those things that you're going to want to bug out with. But just go through it a little bit in your head. What would you do? All right, so number three is this. If you can, a bug out location with living quarters is the way to go. This event has renewed my resolve to own some land out in the middle of nowhere with proper living quarters. All right, so I know that this is the dream of a lot of preppers to have property out there that you can go and you could bug out to and you can live out in the country or out in the mountains or a cabin or whatever it might be. If you can afford that and you can do that, great. What I would tell you is we've owned two pieces of property. So my dad has owned two pieces of property. And one, we knew the neighbors really, really well. And so when we would go down there, we would always touch base with the, you know, they would always come down and make sure that it was us that was showing up at the house. Unless it was like really late. There was times where we would go late. And, uh, you know, they would always come and like, hey, how's it going? We always, we knew each other. We, we knew the kids. We knew the dogs. We, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And so that is very powerful. You know, when, when you know the people around you and you can actually see them. I mean, we weren't very close. Uh, we, were, we were far enough away to hunt, but still close enough to be able to see the homes, right? And so that was that was a powerful thing to be able to do that. And they accepted us and, you know, we helped them and we, you know, all that good stuff. So there was a relationship that was there, although we didn't live there all the time. But the second property that dad owned, that wasn't the case. And we were way further away. We had this one for more of a prepper mindset and we were further away from other people. And so people would stop by and say hi. And, and there was those types of things, but it wasn't the same. And when you have people that know you, they're going to look out for your property. They're going to look out for what is going on down there. When you are in, when you have property that you don't know the people very well, there's things that are going to happen. People are going to break in. People are going to steal things. They're going to cause damage just because they want to cause damage. Whether that's some little hoodlum who is just out, you know, looking for a place to, I don't know, smoke his weed and drink his beer with his friends. Or if that was somebody that is out there who's a drug addict, even out in the country areas, they still know where there are places that people are, you know, are further out. And let me tell you something, the, the police departments are not, they respond like instead of minutes, hours. And so you can, and, and sometimes they don't even come. It's more like they will come to take a, a, a report and they will write down what kinds of things were missing and things like that. So you really need to put into thought a lot of what you really are looking for and what you want. If you are having a, some kind of living, you know, a proper living quarters like DB is talking about, what would that mean? Are you talking about having some beds in there and a place to cook? Or are you talking about leaving supplies? Because if not, then you got to take everything with you because everything that you leave behind could be stolen, could be taken. And so there's a lot to think about there. Having land is a great thing. And if you're going on a regular basis and it's like your little weekend retreat, that is something great to have. And, and if you can afford it, uh, something great to experience. Not a lot of people can do that. One of the things that I have been thinking about recently is uh, Mountain Elk Lodge has sent me a canvas tent. And I really like it's a 13 by 13. It is really big. 
and it is one of those that will could be a long-term uh, shelter if you needed it to be. It's not your little typical tent that you would go camping for a weekend or whatever. It is big enough for you to stand in. And so if you were, I remember seeing an article years back, um, there, it was a bushcraft school and they built a platform and then they put their canvas tent on this platform. So it was up above the uh it, it was up, up above so there was this platform they had a, actually built a little porch onto it and they built walls on the side of it and so it looked like it was very cozy and i mean this was like right in the middle of winter they had a stove in there and they they lived there all year long and so there is uh you know there is some I don't know, some, something there with that that you can have. So think about if you had a, a, a place that you were going out to out in the country and you had some kind of platform, wooden platform built, and you made sure that it was, you know, you, you had whatever, it was sealed so that it wouldn't rot away. But then you came and you were able to put up a tent on top of that. That would be great if you had, uh, you know, a wood stove that you can add to that. Um, the canvas tent is heavy, but I can move it. One person can move it, but it is heavy. Um, so you would need to, it's not something that you can bug out with. You would need to have a vehicle for it. But then the other thing is you're going to need to have uh, something like, you know, how are you going to use a restroom? How are you going to take showers? You're going to need water on the property. You know, those different kinds of things. So there's always ways of thinking about this. And there's so many different options out there. But if you're going to get land, really think it through. Don't just think this is my prepper SHTF get out of you know Dodge uh, you know place. Think about all the other things that go into it. All right. So the next one is if a bug out location is not possible, then proper plans need to be in place. Your prepping plans should be looked at and updated regularly. All right, so I'm going to say that needs to happen regardless if you have bug out plans that you know you you're going to your property or not. You need to look at your bug out plans on a regular basis and and be thinking about them because things change. Like for instance, what DB was talking about, he was talking about that you know his mother-in-law uh, had passed away at that time. Uh, you know during that time when they the last time they made bug out plans. The bug out plans were at some point was to go to another family members that were, you know, nearby, but in this evacuation order, everybody needed to leave. So then your bug out plans go out the window. So one of the things that you could do here is in your bug out plans, if you're having anything written down, maybe you have an emergency binder, you should have an emergency binder. And if you can go, let's just say from where you are and you're bugging out, three hours, four hours away in every direction. So you're going north, south, east, west, and if you can go south, and maybe you find a hotel or a motel, you know, about four hours outside of your home either way. So if you had to evacuate for flooding like Hurricane Harvey, for, uh, you know, evacuation orders like, like this because of a plant explosion or a nuclear thing. Maybe you would, you'd go a lot further than that, four hours. But, uh, you know, you get the idea. So you're able to go far enough out that you feel comfortable. So maybe you have a motel or a hotel. The, the numbers to that hotel, four hours out in every direction so that you're able to, like, hey, if I'm going out this freeway and I'm going north, I'm going to call this hotel or motel 
right away. And that would be one of the first steps that you do is you call and say, hey, I need a room, you know, this evening. Do you have any available? And you do that at the first sign of, for instance, in this situation with DB, the first boom If you live in a situation where industrial plants go boom and they blow up and you have evacuation orders, that might be one of the first things that you ever do. You call the hotel and say, hey, I'm looking to, you know, reserve a room for a couple of days. Do you have that available? Because you can reserve a room and then cancel it if you don't need it. So that should be one of the first things if you do not have property or you don't have family members outside, you know, out in the country or you don't have your family members in another city or whatever, that should be one of the things you can do is that you have in place is I have hotels, motels that are in, you know, a certain amount of direction each way. And so if I need to evacuate, I can call them and I can say, I need a room for a couple of days and they're able to, you know, you can you put that down, you give them your credit card and then you're able to evaluate the situation. If you don't need it, you call and cancel and you're good to go. You're not out any money. But if you do need it, you have it. You know, what he was saying is 50,000 people were evacuating as well. But if you would have made that call early on, you would be insured that you have a hotel room to go and for your family to stay and not be and not stay in their vehicles, you know, throughout the the next couple of days or not to stay at a boyfriend's, girlfriend's, family's home, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. So you have that option available to you. And, you know, that might be something where you need to keep some emergency money stashed away just for that reason, maybe to be able to pay for a week's worth at a, at a hotel until you get your bearings and you figure out what's going on. And so that might be very helpful. So think about that. Maybe you have a plan. Your plan goes four hours out. There's a hotel motel. Maybe you go further out, maybe 15 hours out of driving or whatever your vehicle can go. You know, I'm, I'm going out and that, you know, I'm, I'm planning for a hotel that far away. And so that would be good to have those numbers already ready for you and you're able to with the you know going out uh, for instance uh, for me living in the Houston area going out interstate 45 four hours out is this hotel 15 hours out is this hotel and so you have that stuff in place already so you're not looking up numbers online you're not doing that kind of stuff you're able to call get it done get the confirmation number and then you're able to figure out what you need to do and get moving So that would be something to add to your emergency binder that would be very beneficial. And again, every year, maybe when you're checking your bug out plans, you would check those numbers to make sure that those numbers are still good. And those motels and hotels are still, you know, um, they're, they're still doing business. And if not, you can always adjust. All right. Next is leave early. Realistically, we should have left earlier in the day before the evac was ordered. But I had developed a laissez-faire attitude towards not only prepping in general, but the entire situation at hand. All right. So that is another one of those things is, is it, and and, you know, I I would probably do the same thing as DB. It's like, do I really want to leave my house? Do I really want to leave? Is it really that bad? And it's, you know, for hurricanes, there's been plenty of hurricanes 
where people have evacuated, like my neighbors have evacuated. My neighbors have done all kinds of crazy things, even bordering, you know, bordering, bordering up their, their windows and, and, and stuff. When uh, Hurricane Katrina happened and then Rita was coming, I mean, I thought my neighbors, were, I, for a while there, I was starting to panic because I'm seeing everybody else do all this stuff. And I'm like, am I, you know, should I be putting wood up on my windows too? Should I be doing all this kind of stuff? And, uh, you know, I, I didn't do it. And so I, I understand I've gone through many hurricanes. We've never evacuated where we're at. And so I can kind of understand, like, do I really need to evacuate? Do I really need to leave? Even during Hurricane Harvey, when the water was probably six inches from coming into my garage, it would have come into my garage first and then gone into my house, six inches from um, the, the very edge of my garage door. I still, we had the opportunity to leave and I didn't leave because it wasn't raining anymore and we were, you know, just kind of waiting it out. And I really, to be honest, I wanted to make sure that if I needed to take care of things in the house and it was flooding, I wanted to be able to lift things up. I wanted to be able to do all those kinds of things, but it, it was just, it was slowing down. And so, you know, I just had that feeling like, I don't think I need to evacuate. My neighbor was, uh, is a little bit older and she panicked and she left and she evacuated. She went to, uh, to, and so this is another reason why I don't know why I, I would want to evacuate, but you got to, you got to weigh it all. So she was evacuated. And she went and spent the whole night, although her house didn't flood, her kids, uh, her older kids and, and grandkids stayed behind, but she panicked. She got in a boat. They took her to a, to a church and she spent the night on a pew and they would not bring her back. And, you know, it was, it was almost a whole nother day before she was allowed to come back, you know, because the waters were still kind of receding where everything else was, you know, we were in our neighborhoods and we could start seeing the street and all those different kinds of things. So you, you have those, ex, you know, experiences. And I know I'm like, Todd, yeah, I'm telling people to evacuate, not to evacuate, bug out, bug in. But it's just, it was one of those things for us that we didn't feel we needed to. And uh, we, we, we're glad we didn't. Uh, we're, we're glad that we just kind of stayed behind. And uh, But I again, if you're in that situation where you need to leave, you need to make sure that you're able to leave early because there is a time where you know, you're good to go and then you're stuck. And if you're stuck, you better be willing to wait it all out and you better be willing to, to do whatever it takes to, to stick it out. In, in the situation with water, for me, that was just flooding. In this situation where you're in uh, an industrial plant, you know, where you're close to and there could be toxic chemicals, I think I would be a little bit more uh, apt to leave in that kind of situation because I wouldn't want to be around you know, sucking in all that toxic fumes, especially, you know, even if you turn off your AC unit, it's still going to seep into your house. If you're around a nuclear plant, those types of things too, as well. So you really got to weigh it all and you got to really think about how you want to do this. But again, if you are going to leave, you got to leave early enough to where you're not going to be stuck in traffic, where you're not going to be, uh, you know, trying to figure out where you're going to go. You need to leave early enough. And so that's why all these plans are very important so that you have these plans in place to move. And the very last one is, he says, don't be a looky-loo. You're only in the way of not only people needing to evacuate the immediate area, but also responding to emergency personnel. 
I only realized this when I was almost plowed into by a resident who was frantically trying to evacuate their home, which was very close to the explosion. All right. I think this is a very important one. I, you know, in the day and age that we live in, whenever anything crazy is going on, what's the first thing people do is they take out their phones and they start videoing even around the crazy situations were in, I can't remember where it was. There was a shootout. Okay. The shootout that happened with the UPS driver. And uh, I can't remember exactly what city it happened in, but the UPS driver and the hostage and how the police just were shooting, you know, in, in, at the UPS, you know, at the UPS truck and, and the, the people that had uh, stolen the UPS truck were shooting back. And, you know, it was a very crazy situation that happened right in the middle of traffic. There was people that were videoing that. I mean, there were like cops that were, you know, that were hunkering down around their vehicle and people were videoing that. And so we live in this society where that's the first thing people do is like they take out their, their phones and they start videoing and taking pictures and they want to get the scoop or they want to share it out on social media. They want to share it on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. And like, hey, I was right in the middle of all this when it could be a very scary situation. And so I think that is one of those things is instead of sitting around and trying to look and see what, you know, what is going on is you need to have a better frame of mind is like, Hey, this is a serious thing. A plant just exploded. There could be toxic chemicals in the air. We need to get going and nothing like moving towards, you know, the, the, the scene of the explosion and trying to get video or trying to see what's going on. is like, Hey, you need to move towards that. And so I think that just comes with having a little bit of experience and thinking things through and processing it. A lot of people, again, first thing is that they take out their phones. Let's not be that person. Let's be the person and let's get our family to safety. Let's make sure that everything is okay before we start going there and taking pictures and, and, and sharing out on, on Facebook. Hey, I'm right in the middle of, you know, this explosion, right? And you're sucking in toxic fumes. You know, that's not, that's not good. That's not smart. So be one of those people that can, that has a plan that moves into action very quickly. You can always, there's going to be plenty of pictures on social media, plenty of pictures on YouTube and video on YouTube. In fact, my article, when I went to go search uh, for video of, of this, you know, this plant explosion, I found a, like a ring doorbell, type, I think it's a Vivint uh, doorbell that actually picked up the explosion. And so uh, the guy's light in the, the front porch falls down, the plate falls down, and that's how how much it shook the house and shook the area. So that video is there on, uh, on the website article if you want to go check it out. But don't be a looky-loo, all right? That's a, that's a great a great term there I'm going to start using. Don't be a looky-loo and you know get your butt out of there and uh, get your family to safety. Be smart. That's what it is about. That's why we prep. We prep for ourselves. We prep for our family to protect them and to take care of them and to make sure that they don't have to suffer because of our dumb mistakes that we made or because we weren't prepared. We have a responsibility and being prepared is responsible. That's just the way it goes down. Well, guys, I love this article. Thank you, DB, again. I know you are a listener to the podcast. Thank you for sharing your experience. Guys, if there's other experiences out there, I think when 
you know, we can read articles, we can do all that kind of stuff, you know, we can write, there's people that are writing all the time, sharing out information all the time. But when there are real life experiences, I think those are so helpful. So thank you, DB, for doing this. And I want to tell you, if you're out there listening and you have an experience that you would like to share, send it to me at todd.sepulveda at prepperwebsite.com. And I would love to share it on Ed That Matters, possibly read it on the podcast, for sure share it on Prepper Website so that other people can learn. I, I think that's that's one of the things is we share our experiences. You don't have to share your name. You don't have to give any more information that you don't want to. But I think sharing your experience, what you learned, what you wish you would have done, I think all those are very valuable to the Prepper community. And again, I just want to give my thanks to DB for sharing his experience and this article with us here on the podcast on and on Ed That Matters. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 615. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on this episode as we get closer to ending out the year. I can't believe that 2019 is almost over. It's pretty amazing how fast this year has gone. At least for me, it feels like it's just flown by. Hey, if you are listening to this episode or this podcast for the very first time and you haven't subscribed, make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast catcher. We'd love for you to be a frequent listener of the Prepper Website podcast. Um, that's it's just we, we appreciate all of our listeners out there. And when you subscribe, you'll never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And I'd love for you to take a moment to connect with me. Now, I have a link in the show notes so that you can join the Prepper website email list. And that way you get a free PDF of 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. I'll send that to you as well as some other good stuff in that first initial email that you'll get for joining the, uh, the, the, the email list. And then don't forget about the Prepper website email group that is available over at PrepperWebsite.net. I'd love for you to look into that and be a part of that. Hey, as we go into this week, if you're looking for more preparedness information, don't forget to go hit Prepper website. We link to somewhere between 8 to 12 articles every single day of the newest preparedness articles, great information that is out there to help you and your family be better prepared. Don't forget also pages that we have dedicated to specific things like alternative news, uh, being frugal, DIY, um, firearms, homesteading. We have just a lot of great information for you over there and it's 24 seven. And so I'd love for you to go over to Prepper website and get some more Prepper information and articles over there. All right, guys, with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware and Merry Christmas.